0: Are all term limits created equal? equal. Hi, I'm Philip Lumel, president of U.S. Term Limits. Welcome to the No Uncertain Terms podcast for October 1st,
1: 2018.
0: Last week, a poll was released showing that Congressman Andy Barr and challenger Amy McGrath in a dead heat, 47% to 47%, in the race for Kentucky's 6th Congressional District, The poll, by Pulse Opinion Research, suggests that the issue of term limits might be the key to either candidate's victory. According to the poll, 81% of voters in the district support a constitutional amendment for term limits on Congress. That includes 83% of Republicans, 78% of Democrats, and 82% of Independents. Only 14% of voters oppose term limits. Crucially, the survey found that 69% of voters are more likely to support a candidate who has signed a pledge endorsing term limits. Amy McGrath, the challenger, has signed the U.S. Term Limits Pledge, but incumbent Andy Barr has not. Still, the incumbent Barr says he supports term limits, and he points to 12-year term limits bills that he has introduced. McGrath, on the other hand, has signed the U.S. Term Limits Pledge committing to co-sponsor and vote for an amendment bill of six years. According to the poll, 71% of voters side with McGrath, preferring a six-year limit on House members over a 12-year limit. 12 versus six. It's an issue that frequently pops up in term limits debates. Here to talk about it is U.S. Turn Limits Executive Director, Nick Tombalides. Hey, Nick.
1: Hey, Phil. Good to be with you.
0: So, are we splitting hairs here? I mean, does it really make that much of a difference whether a term limit is uh, long or short?
1: Well, I think the ideal term limit is two terms, one in office, one in prison. Um, but that that might be a little bit impractical so for the purposes of this discussion, yeah I think a term limit needs to be a good balance It needs to be a balance between uh, getting enough experience, understanding how the office works but also making sure that you're getting fresh faces and ideas in office on a regular basis and the way I look at it, the longer someone has been in office, the more he or she is able to develop a, fundraising connection with special interests. Each time an incumbent wins an election, it becomes that much harder for a challenger to compete. And that starts deterring competition for these seats and it lets the incumbents develop monopolies. When you look at a member's voting record, the longer someone is in office, uh, the less they tend to listen to their constituents. And so I think it's, it's essential that we draw a line before that power of incumbency becomes too strong A six-year limit in the House really does craft that right balance between experience and new perspectives, while also making sure that a member has to stay accountable to their constituents. If you have a short-term limit, you're going to get fairer elections, you're going to have lower barriers to entry, and people from diverse backgrounds will be able to run for office and have a chance to win.
0: Right. And across the country, um, at every level of government, really eight years has been sort of the tested and true tournament. When most people think of tournaments, they think of eight, not really six or twelve. Uh, but that's not really an option for Congress because we have six-year terms in the Senate. So yeah. it seems like the 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 eight years that everyone is comfortable with and has been proven is um, um, you know approximate to the idea of having six years in the House and twelve years in the Senate. Whereas most state
1: legislatures have eight years in. Both, although there are different setups. Yeah, and and do you really need 12 years to learn your job as a member of Congress? Do you need more time to learn your job? Yeah, do you need more time to learn your job than the leader of the free world? If you worked in the (laughs) private sector and you came to your boss and said, hey, boss, 12 years later, I still don't know what the heck I'm doing, you would get a pink slip the next day. Um, You would get the pink slip if you couldn't figure out your job in 12 days, let alone 12 years. And so I think it's a ridiculous argument. I think you need a short-term limit so that you get a healthy degree of turnover. A lot of people like to say, well, why not have a 12-year limit in the House and a 12-year limit in the Senate? That's not the House and the Senate were not supposed to be um, similar in character. You know, if you consult the the framers' vision for the two chambers, the House was supposed to have more turnover, be more obligated to the people. Senate Mm -hmm. is actually Latin for council of elders. It was supposed to be more deliberative. It was originally developed without direct election, so it's more consistent with the intent of the Senate and the framers in the Constitution to give the upper chamber a longer limit than you would give the lower chamber.
0: Yeah, in fact, the distinctions between the upper and lower chamber have really been eroded over time, not just the fact that we have direct elections in both now, but also because um, we have a permanent incumbency in each. In the House, they considered with very short terms, there'd be a lot of elections and a lot of turnover, small districts, uh, you know more rough and tumble, closer to the people, more maybe even handling more parochial concerns, and the upper house would have long terms, big districts, more aloof and deliberative um, and more and less turnover and that distinction's pretty much gone because we have a permanent incumbency in each. <laughs>
2: Why does the President of the United States have term limits but members of Congress do not? Term limits are a welcome check on authority. Indeed, 82% of Americans favor congressional term limits. But why do we have term limits on the President but not Congress? The President didn't always have term limits, at least not formally, Tradition, since George Washington was to serve two terms, then step down. Although Theodore Roosevelt and Ulysses S. Grant both tried for a third term, they were defeated. FDR successfully broke the two-term tradition by winning elections in 1932, 1936, 1940, and 1944. In total, he served 12 years. By the end of his third term, Roosevelt's failing health made him too ill to serve. He died just a few months after his final inauguration. This led to the 22nd Amendment. Apparently, Congress does condone term limits because it used Article 5 of the Constitution to propose the Presidential Term Limits Amendment in 1947. Ratified by the states in 1951, the 22nd Amendment states that no person elected president and no person to hold the office of president for more than two years is permitted to be elected more than once more. The longest an individual may serve as president is 10 years if he or she completes no more than two years of a prior president's term of office. It makes no difference whether the terms are consecutive. So why doesn't Congress have term limits? Well, because it doesn't want term limits. It doesn't want to impose term limits on itself, even though it had no problem imposing term limits on the president. How do we get an amendment to the Constitution? Up until now, only Congress has proposed amendments, but that doesn't mean it's the only way. In fact, the states have equal power to propose amendments. It takes more of a concerted effort, as 34 states must pass a term limits on Congress resolution and convene to discuss proposing the amendment. Regardless of the method of proposal, whether it be through Congress or through the states, 38 states must ratify the amendment in order for it to become part of the Constitution.
1: And what's the point of term limits anyway? You go look at the back of uh, my car in the parking lot. What does the bumper sticker on my bumper say? It says, stop career politicians. If you have a 12-year limit in the House and a 12-year limit in the Senate, someone could theoretically max out in both those chambers. They would get 24 years in Washington, D.C. I mean- That's a career. 24 years is more or less a career. That's going to sever your connection to your community. And if you have a six-year limit, people might- only serve two or four years. They might not even finish up the six years before they uh, are again thinking about returning to the private sector. So we want people right. who are willing to give a few years to public service, and six, six terms or 12 years would really attract people who want to be career politicians. That's what we're looking to avoid.
0: Some of the benefits that we track of term limits uh, show up more strongly with shorter limits and less so, or not at all, when, with longer limits. It's another important aspect of this. Um, just the week before last in our podcast, we were talking about a new study that had come out uh, talking about uh, voter turnout and turn limits. And what these two researchers had done was look at the 15 states that have term limits in their legislatures and then look at voter turnout in those states versus uh, prior to them having turn limits and also against other states that uh, don't have turn limits. And uh, they found that the uh, tournament states have greater turnout. Well, people have more, you know, more uh, meaningful votes to cast and more elections to vote in and uh, more competitive elections. And that would be true. Um, but what's really interesting is that, you know, not all tournaments are created equal. And these researchers discovered that in the states that have the most stringent term limits, which would be Michigan and Arkansas between this before the scam of 2014 – uh, when the politicians uh, made them weak again. But the the tournaments, the uh, states that have really tough tournaments six years in the House, uh, Michigan and Arkansas, they saw about five to six percentage points increase in voter turnout. That's That's very impressive, but you know what? They hardly saw any change in voter turnout at all in the states uh, that have 12 year tournaments. Um, because the truth is, that those long-term limits don't actually increase turnover in the legislature that much.
1: Yeah, and voter turnout is going to be a product of how competitive your elections are. I was in Michigan not long ago where the politicians were trying to abolish their term limits. I came in to testify, and I asked them a rhetorical question. I said, um, there's only one state in the country that's got 100 percent of its state legislative elections contested. That means if you are a voter in this state, every time you go to the ballot box, you have a real and meaningful choice. And I asked the the folks at the dais, do you know which state that is? It's Michigan. And Michigan has the tightest term limits in America on its legislature, six years in the House, eight years in the Senate. No one is shorter than that. So term limits in Michigan have created a, a revolution of electoral competitiveness And if we want to see that in other places around the country, other states, at the federal level, we need to write a sufficiently tight term limit that can really rein in incumbents.
0: Welcome to Caught in the Crossfire. Today we feature a debate at the highest level of the U.S. government. The 44th and 45th U.S. presidents, Barack Obama and Donald Trump, go head-to-head on the issue of term limits. Ken?
1: That's right, Phil. Never has America been so divided as it is today. And I quake to think what we're about to witness here.
0: The opening salvo was launched at a rally by then-candidate Donald Trump in October 2016, just before the election. Let's hear it. But there's another major announcement I'm going to make today as part of our pledge to drain the swamp. If I'm elected president, I will push for a constitutional amendment to impose term limits on all members of Congress. They've been talking about that for years. Decades of failure in Washington and decades of special interest dealing must and will come to an end. Then, just days later, sitting President Barack Obama fired back,
3: not mincing any words. I think we want to see new voices and new ideas emerge. That's part of the reason why uh, I think term limits are a really useful thing.
1: Holy moly.
3: But he wasn't done. From the dais at the Global Citizen
0: Forum in Sao Paulo, Brazil in June 2017, Barack Obama again tackled Trump's stirring call with a more thorough rejoinder.
3: I think politics suffers when you have the same people staying in power over and over and over again for many years and there's never any new blood and there's never any new ideas and i do believe that if you're in power for too long even with the best of intentions uh, that you become stale and your government becomes stale and over time you will not do what's best for the country and the country will suffer And so I I see sometimes in, in the US Congress, people who've been there for 20, 30, 40 years, and because they're still there, they're blocking the 25 or the 30 or the 35 year old who is more of their time and could be more innovative and creative in terms of solving the problems that we face today, rather than the problems that we faced 35 years ago.
1: Wow, that was really something. Can America ever heal from the vast rifts that divide us?
0: Uh, uh, Ken, they actually agreed about turnlets here. Uh, The former Democratic president and current Republican one probably don't agree on too much, but-
1: Oh Phil, the media landscape is awash with fear and loathing. The parties have never been further apart. Pets are turning on their owners. The sky is falling. The earth is flat. You think anything can bring this country back together?
0: Well, um, a McLaughlin poll from earlier this year suggests that 82% of Americans support term limits.
1: 82%?
0: Yeah, that's right, 82%. 89% of Republicans, 76% of Democrats, 83% of independents. It looks like term limits are one issue that Americans agree on. Perhaps this is the issue our political culture needs so we can start working together again.
1: Hmm, I don't know. You think the Russians might be behind this?
2: election season, what do you think your representative's number one goal is? To get re-elected, of course. Fundraising just so happens to be a top priority mandate to D.C. politicians. Have you gotten a call from your political party asking for money lately? Fundraising is big business in Washington, D.C. So big, in fact, that your newly elected congressional representative is expected to spend half his or her working hours dialing for dollars at a secret phone bank near Capitol Hill actually more than half of their time, sometimes six to eight hours a day, is spent not working on legislation. Instead, they're essentially full-time telemarketers who are told their top priority is to raise obscene amounts of money dialing for dollars. All this during business hours when they're supposed to be working for you, the taxpayer, with a starting salary of a mere $174,000 a year. Shocking, isn't it? 60 Minutes broadcast an expose unveiling the outrageous phone banking operations of an uncontrollable D.C. political machine. It couldn't be clearer that Washington is more about making money than it is about effective governing. The American public already has a low opinion of Congress. At last check, they had a 14% approval rating, yet, 90% of them will get reelected. Congress members are told that their responsibility is to raise as much as $18,000 per day. While legislators and staff are prohibited by law from making fundraising calls from their offices, both Republicans and Democrats are free to do so at party-owned call centers down the block. 60 Minutes took hidden cameras into the private back rooms of one of these operations, described as sweatshop phone booths that compromise the dignity of the office. The scheme includes private call center rooms with modern phone banking technology, prominently displayed donation leaderboards listing all of the representatives with their fundraising totals, flow charted fundraising scripts with persuasive talking points on how to handle prospective contributors, a model daily schedule complete with a breakdown of how many hours a day is expected for each of their congressional duties. Astonishingly, only 2 hours out of 9 to 10 hours a day are to be spent on legislation, the job the citizens hired them to do. Did I mention starting salaries are $174,000 a year? Members of Congress spend too much time raising money and not enough time doing their job. Cost estimates to win a Senate race run upwards of $100 million. According to a Democratic congressman from Minnesota, political fundraising quotas are discouraging good people from running for office. There are plenty of people who want to go to Washington to help fix the problems, but don't want to go to D.C. to become a mid-level telemarketer dialing for dollars. The whole process is frustrating, the result of a broken system. Prioritizing fundraising for political campaigns over legislative responsibilities is disastrous for the American people. This reinforces that term limits need to be imposed on members of Congress as a measure to reduce the power of an uncontrolled Washington political machine. This problem cannot be fixed by voting incumbents out. This proves what we have been saying all along. Incumbents have an overwhelming political advantage because we pay them to raise money for their re-elections. Challengers don't stand a chance. Term limits help fix the problem of incumbents indefinitely raising money for their next campaign. At a time when Congress has been breaking records for being unproductive, it does not bode well that the only thing at which incumbents excel is raising funds for their next election. The issue of term limits crosses party lines and is exactly what is needed to reduce the influence special interests have on Capitol Hill.
0: This is Scott Tillman, the National Field Director with U.S. Term Laws. Every election cycle we ask congressional candidates to sign a pledge to support term limits on US Congress. The pledge is for a three house and two Senate term limit, and this is a pledge we give to anyone who's running for US Congress. This cycle we've had three hundred and sixty-nine total signers, and of those, 127 are still in their races. That means that they've passed their general or passed their primary election and, and still remain in this race. This is higher than any number we've ever had in the past. 127 are still in it going into the general election this November. Last week, we talked a little bit about Illinois, which, of course, has no term limits and has very little turnover. Um, But they also don't have elections.
1: Make sure we play the booing noise when you say Illinois. Oh, right. (laughs) Last
0: week, we talked a little bit about Illinois, which, of course, has no term limits and has very little turnover. Um, But they also don't have elections. We talked about how about half – it is normal in Illinois for half of the legislative races to go uncontested. That means elections aren't being held. Meanwhile, in Michigan, with the tight turn limit, we're having elections in just about every seat all the time.
1: Well, it's funny you say that because Illinois is kind of on the high side for the number of uh, contested elections. There are some states that only have about a quarter of all their elections contested with 75 percent getting canceled on a regular basis. So – yeah, People in Illinois might want to thank their lucky stars that it's that good, but of course you're never going to get the same uh, degree of competitive elections without term limits as you would if you had a regular check on, on power at the state level or at the federal level. Right,
0: right. So for all these reasons, uh, politicians generally prefer longer terms or no term – or longer terms and term limits um, or no term limits, whereas voters, citizens generally prefer – tournaments and shorter ones. Um, we see that over and over again. And so it's not, cha- it's not surprising that in the, the story I gave in the opening here that we see the challenger coming out for six- year tournaments and the, the incumbent, you know calling for 12. Um, in the early 90s when it, uh, the tournaments were placed on our state legislatures, on many of them, uh, most of those tournaments passed by citizens, citizens initiatives, and most all of them were either six or eight term, eight year terms um on the uh, both houses of the of their legislatures and only a couple were 12 and it's notable that the one state in which the politicians put the term limit on the ballot rather than the voters louisiana they passed uh, a 12-year term limit. <laughs> it's it's something that we see over and over again a lot of times uh, politicians will put a 12-year term limit on the ballot uh to show that how they're for term limits but the truth is that they're really trying to circumvent or co-opt an existing effort yeah. to put on yeah. shorter term limits.
1: Yeah, and the polling uh, could not be clearer. When we asked people in Kentucky whether they prefer a six- or a 12-year limit, um, it was 71% prefer six-year limit. Only 28% wanted a 12-year limit, and those, pro- those people who, who want 12 years probably don't support term limits uh, that much in the first place. But you're, right. you're absolutely right.
0: Are these two uh, candidates in Kentucky talking about term
1: limits? Not enough. Not enough. One, one question we actually asked in the poll was whether the voters believe that Andy Barr and Amy McGrath are doing a good job communicating their position on term limits. And a 49 hmm. percent plurality said that they were not doing a good enough job telling the voters where they stand. Only 17 percent Uh, thought they were doing a good job. So if if you're running for Congress right now, listening to this podcast, or you, you intend to run for Congress one day, there's really no greater boost you can give your campaign than coming out emphatically for term limits right at the very beginning and running on that issue because it's just so popular across the aisle. It's literally the only issue in America on which President Trump and President Obama agree both think Congressional term limits are important.
2: What is the plan to get term limits on Congress? We have a multi-pronged approach. I'll discuss the term limits convention route. We are working a grassroots campaign to pass a resolution in 34 state legislatures calling for an Article 5 convention for the sole purpose of proposing term limits on Congress. The language of our application is quite simple and just a few paragraphs long. It reads, section one, the legislature of, insert state name, Hereby makes an application to Congress as provided by Article 5 of the Constitution of the United States of America to call a convention limited to proposing an amendment to the Constitution of the United States of America to set a limit on the number of terms that a person may be elected as a member of the United States House of Representatives and to set a limit on the number of terms that a person may be elected as a member of the United States Senate. Section 2, the Secretary of State is hereby directed to transmit copies of this application to the President and Secretary of the Senate of the United States and to the Speaker, Clerk, and Judiciary Committee Chairman of the House of Representatives of the Congress of the United States and copies to members of the said Senate and House of Representatives from this state. Also to transmit copies hereof to the presiding officers of each of the legislative houses in the several states requesting their cooperation. Section 3. This application shall be considered as covering the same subject matter as the applications from other states of Congress to call a convention to set a limit on the number of terms that a person may be elected to the House of Representatives of the Congress of the United States and the Senate of the United States and this application shall be aggregated with same for the purpose of attaining the two thirds of the states necessary to require Congress to call a limited convention on this subject, but shall not be aggregated with any other applications on any other subject. Section 4, this application constitutes a continuing application in accordance with Article 5 of the Constitution of the United States of America until the legislatures of at least two-thirds of the several states have made applications on the same subject. So really, our goal is to get your state's House and Senate to agree on this resolution and pass it this upcoming legislative session. We can't do it without you. Your state legislators need to hear from you to sponsor and vote yes to pass this resolution through all of their committee stops and on the chamber floor. Will you be ready to answer the call to action before each vote? We make it easy for you. Sign our petition at termlimits.com.
0: Well, that's it for this week's No Uncertain Terms podcast. Thank you for joining us. Yes, I know we're all another week older now, but look at the bright side. We're one week closer to achieving term limits on Congress. Be sure to subscribe. You can use the podcast app on your iPhone or download Stitcher on your Android phone. Or of course, iTunes. And while you're there, be sure to rate and review us. Skeptics say term limits is a great idea, but it'll never happen. It is happening. is happening. Thanks for being part of it.